right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, March 8th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And let's get into this, Pat, because we had three, eh, I guess two, big movies open this weekend. And we got to talk about it. We yeah, we had a bunch of new movies that all at least made over a million apiece. I mean, it's starting to feel like old times again at the BO. Well, that's all I'll say. I'm going to go through the top five real quick. Yeah. And then we'll start talking about some of these movies. Number one, Raya and the Last Dragon made eight point five million. Hmm. Not very good. That was number one. Number two, Tom and Jerry made 6.6, down only 53%. So not a bad drop for its second weekend. Number three, another new movie, Chaos Walking, put up by Lionsgate, $3.7 million. Number four, Boogie, made 1.2. And then rounding out the top five, we got The Crudes, A New Age, still hanging tight, made $788,000 in its 15th weekend. So that's your top five. I mean, it is, this is by far the biggest top five we have had in a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have got, you're looking at that top five. You have four movies that have grossed at least a million dollars. We have not seen that in a long time. You've got a movie at the top made eight and a half. Another one made 6.6. I mean, those are, you know, those are not numbers that feel like the last few years, but it's like you could go back and look at 1979 box office and it's, it's probably around that. Like this is around with the Godfather made opening weekend. So it's starting to feel normal. Yeah, so the issue with this is I think I was a little bit, I got a little excited last last uh, episode. Yeah. We were bullish. Post, well, post that Tom and Jerry opening weekend, we, we, were feeling, we were feeling a little bullish. I felt like sky's the limit, mm-hmm. and that is not true because Raya the Last Dragon, it was tracking this weekend at... 9 to 11 and ended up under that. Yes. And, you know, the thing with Raya, so it had a few things working against it. It had the Disney Plus $30 premium rental that you could you could do a la the uh, Mulan. Mm-hmm. And also... Disney was being very stingy with its rental prices for theatrical. So Cinemark said, we're not showing your movie, which is a pretty big deal. And you can see with these theater counts. So Raya was in 2045 theaters where Tom and Jerry added theaters from last weekend, added 88 theaters from last weekend and is at 2,563. So that's a difference of 500 theaters. Right. That should never happen. A big Disney animated premiere movie should not be in less theaters than any other movie that's out that week. Yeah. It should have the most screens. So that is a huge failing on Disney's part to somehow lose the battle of screens. And even with New York opening again. Mm -hmm. So and... From what we're seeing on Deadline, it looks like that New York area made about $1 million by itself this weekend. So we're talking Long Island, Westchester County, Connecticut, New Jersey, and then your boroughs. Mm -hmm. And that all made a $1 million. So Right. The other thing with that is they're reporting that not really much of that million went to Raya. Not a dragon town. I mean, it's New York's you know, not a dragon town. New York's not a dragon town. It's it's a basketball town. It's a gangster's town. Um, it's a you know, it's a hell of a town. It's a hell of a town. 
greatest city in the world, but not the greatest city in the world for dragons. It's just not been part of our culture. You know, we're more of a a, a rat-based society around New York. You know, if it was Raya the Last Rat, I think there'd be some more interest around here. Um, pigeons, you know, uh, uh, syphilitic squirrels, possibly, but but not really a dragon town. So that mm-hmm. makes sense to me as a lifelong New Yorker. Raya bombing in the boroughs makes sense. So it also was not doing as well in the four quadrants. It didn't open as well as the crudes. So, mm-hmm. and that was in the Thanksgiving quarter corridor where people weren't getting vaxxed and a lot of these New York area theaters were not open. And so they're saying this is more of a female young skewing film, which isn't, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's not, that's not a bad thing, but it's just, it's not adding up to blockbuster at this point. Yeah. I mean, based on these numbers, based on this opening weekend of making eight and a half million dollars, Raya, the last dragon. Is it's Raya a, and the last. So they're different. Raya, Gotcha. Raya Raya is a, is a non-dragon, and then the last dragon is, we don't know its name, because it's not on the poster that I see. Yeah, I mean, that could be a problem right there, is you're trying to sell me on a dragon, but the dragon isn't even named in the title of the movie. So there's And it could even thing. be Raya, because I, I don't know how to speak a lot of times, so it could right, be Raya. Right, right. I mean, there's a lot of issues here, but this movie, this dragon movie... Um, it is a bomb. It is an <laughs> opening weekend bomb. Things could always pick up word of mouth. Maybe New York, uh, starts getting turned on to dragons. Possibly. I don't think so, but, but maybe, um, it's a theatrical but, bomb. So that's the thing. It's what, a theatrical bomb. We don't know how well it did on, on premium, PVOD on Disney. Clayton, are you a BO boy or are you a Streamo boy? I'm just saying because that's going to lead into something we'll talk about a little bit later, I think, which is does Black Widow get this same treatment? Okay. Because they're talking about that, that this may have been a big boon for Disney with this pretty much pocketing 30 bucks a pop instead of sharing anything with anybody. Well, that the thing is though, the numbers that we have in front of us and the numbers that other box office uh, experts, you know, such as our friends at exhibit relations co those numbers are just this movie making eight and a half million dollars in its opening weekend a weekend after Tom and Jerry basically made twice that the weekend before. So all we have to go on is those numbers. And by those numbers, this movie is unsuccessful. It is on Disney to then show us these Disney plus premium VOD numbers that are supposedly so fantastic because if we don't see those, then all I could assume is it's not that good because the BL wasn't that good. And therefore this movie was not a success. Disney needed to be beating the horn, tooting the horn, sounding the bell, sounding the alarm, letting us know what this movie did on Disney plus VOD. And we haven't gotten that. I haven't gotten the press release. I've checked our inbox at the BL boys podcast at gmail.com. I don't see a Disney plus press release saying that this movie did Baffa Bobo on VOD. Well, Baffa Streamo. Baffa Streamo. Um, yeah, it's just curious to me why Disney wants to continue to to harm their relationship with theatrical the way they're doing it if it isn't because they feel like they're going to make a lot of money from the other avenues. Because right. the thing I mean, with, with, with Warner Brothers is that they gave these theaters a huge 
cut, uh, well, at least like uh, cut their rental fees down pretty low in mm-hmm. order to say, hey, we're going to basically give you these movies, just put them in there, and then we're going to do this Warner Brothers, we're going to do this HBO Max thing, and we're scratching each other's back. Right, right. And yeah, Disney's I mean, Disney not Disney moving. does not scratch back. Disney does not, is not known for scratching backs. I mean, we've talked about this before. My theory, which is going to be correct, is that the studios will end up owning movie theater chains and their own movie theaters as these years go on. I think Disney is probably the likeliest candidate for that. So Disney might be taking the tact of if these theaters go belly up, then we buy them on pennies on the dollar, and then we're putting our movies in the Disney movie theaters. You know, Disney wants to own all of the distribution of their product. They don't want to have to pay middlemen. Mm-hmm. You know, so obviously they'd love it if they could just replicate how much they would make on a Marvel movie using Disney Plus rather than the theaters, which I don't think is possible. You need that theatrical stream to really make that kind of money um so i I, but i mean the thing is riot underperformed what experts like us and other prognosticators thought it would do even with all of the you know excuses that you ran through it still seemed like this movie would make double digits this weekend and it didn't yeah, I mean, if it would have made 12, because I went 20, which was nuts. Mm-hmm. And I admit that. I admit that I got so hyped on the Tom and Jerry that I felt invincible, and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I made a prognostication that was reckless. Right. But, you know, it could have. I mean, the thing is, I still believe it could have, but it was the wrong movie. Right. I think we are in a climate now. And like we said last week, every weekend, every day that goes by, more people get vaccinated. The 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 box office health also gets better. I think we are in a climate where a movie could come out and make a $20 million opening weekend. You know, if Tom and Jerry could make what it made last weekend and would it, it ended up making 14 million opening mm-hmm. weekend. So if Tom and Jerry could make 14 in an opening weekend while also being available for free on HBO, then you we are at a point where a movie can come out and make a $20 million opening weekend. And it only dropped 53%, mm-hmm. which was, I think, kind of what we both were saying. We were we were pretty accurate on our Tom and Jerry estimates. Yeah. Because we both thought it would drop maybe 50 to 60. And it's now at 22.9 million in its second week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's people love Tom and Jerry. There's there's nothing else we can say. We thought it was a dead IP that has been laid to rest. Obviously, Tom and Jerry generation. It's the Tom and Jerry generation. It's not so, the Raya slash Raya and the Last Dragon generation. So did did Tom and Jerry cut into the Raya the, and the Last Dragon box office? Was I mean, it, it might have longer than Disney thought it would be. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, when when they were going to put out this film, they never thought that something like a Tom and Jerry movie would give a new Disney film, a run for mm-hmm. its money. I, right. I don't think anybody thought that. Right. Uh, and, and so I think, yeah, I think there was, they did definitely, they're the same type of customer. And I think that did cut into it. Right. And then when you talk about New York, not really going for the dragon movie, I mean, Tom and Jerry, that is, those are New York animals right there. Cats and mice. You yeah, know, it takes is, place in New York City as well. Right, right. So that that could have been a big problem for for Raya is all of these New York City screens opened and New Yorkers wanted the familiar. They wanted to see 
mice running around. They wanted to see cats trying to kill mice in cold blood. You know, the dragon thing is too fantastical for a Manhattanite to relate to. Yeah, but who hasn't in New York stayed at a hotel or an Airbnb where you have a cat chasing a mouse the whole time? Right, right, right. And so I, yeah, and you, you don't, you don't walk around Manhattan seeing dragons. And I think right now people are being eased back into theaters. So the way you ease a New Yorker into a theater is you promise them to look at mice, something familiar, something known, something that reminds you of home, which is, you know, right now theaters have the work of luring people out of their homes. So if you want to lure a New Yorker out of their home, you say, listen, leave your mice at home. There'll be mice at this theater. You'll look at mice. I promise you it won't be that different. Well, the thing we do have to remember also about the New York opening Mm -hmm. is that it really is AMC and, uh, you know, there's there's a smaller theaters and maybe some of the Cinemark theaters opened up. But Regal has not reopened in the city okay. yet because they said that 25% is not enough for them to be able to make any sort of money. So they're waiting until it's a 50% um, – what is that? Uh, uh, capacity. Ca- capacity, Yeah. I mean, that's a dangerous game for Regal to let people's habits get so entrenched in AMCs. Yes. You know, because if they wait too long in New York, New Yorkers are creatures of habit. You know, we love our, we've got our bagel guy. We got our, you know, place where we get the newspaper, our bodega guy. You know, we've got our one cab that we love to hail over and over again. You know, we got that one homeless guy that we actually give money to. Exactly. You've got the one sub side of the subway. That's the one you enter on. You never enter on the side across the street. That would be crazy. So New Yorkers like to find something and then stick with it. And if Regal is going to drag its feet reopening in New York, People are just going to say, oh, that's my theater. That's my AMC. I go to the bagel guy. I give a dollar to the one homeless guy that I care about. And I go to my local AMC. I don't go to that Regal anymore. Well, because AMC already has A-List, which is the Mm -hmm. best subscription service. Yes. Hands down. We are A-List members. We're part of an entourage. Mm -hmm. It is just very simple and and. AMC is going to get people so used to getting tickets beforehand, being able to see where can I sit and where can't I sit mm-hmm. instead of showing up at a Regal at some point And, oh, this is blocked off. This is blocked off. It's I think that's going to be the edge that AMC will have over Regal is that they have a better subscription service and people, like you said, are going to be just used to going there. Right. Right. Yeah. If I was regal, I would I would, you know, swallow that bullet and open these theaters, even if you're running at a loss for a few weeks with the 25 percent capacity, because otherwise you're going to wait too long and New York is going to have moved on. They're all going to have selected their AMC. That's my guy. You know, that's that's the guy where I get movies from. I got a guy and my Mm -hmm. guy is AMC. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Tom and Jerry, though, probably very strong in these markets, in this mm-hmm. New York market. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that million went to Tom and Jerry. Yep. And mouse-based urban markets, Tom and Jerry probably did really well. Now, a film that did not do well anywhere. Oh, boy. Chaos Walking made $3.7 wow. million dollars. It played in less theaters than Tom and the Dragon movie, about 1900. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was, and I not feel like, it was a, a dump. They dumped this film. This was a yeah. film that they did not have any sort of 
they they did not want to hold on to this any longer. They'd had it for a while. They had no confidence in it. Mm-hmm. And so they said, listen, we're just going to put this out, see what we can get. Three million for this movie is 3.7 for this movie is probably very good. Because in any other marketplace, it's going to get trounced if this was normal movie going time. Yeah. So you think it actually made more in its opening weekend now than it would have made in a non-pandemic time? I mean, that's tough. 3.8 million is so low. This is a movie that cost $100 million that they thought Lionsgate thought they were making a franchise. They yeah. they bought the rights to a series of books thinking this is the it's first. It's not books. Their... It's a it video is. game. It is. It is based on the sci-fi trilogy chaos walking adapting his first book oh wow so this is some ya bullshit this is a ya this is this is their attempt at having made a new hunger games oh well then that was uh, then yeah this must have been in the works for so long yeah it's been it's in been in pre-production for 10 years wait was nick jonas uh, didn't Nick Jonas just host SNL and he's in this film? Did he mention it at all? Uh, he did not, as far as I remember, mention this. He did not uh, pull at Timothy Chalamet and wear a hoodie of the movie or the production company. I mean, that would have been interesting if Nick Jonas came out on live television on SNL and wore a Chaos Walking or Lion's Gate hoodie. But he did not do that, which, I mean, that shows it's a lack of confidence in this movie. So he was probably right not to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Nick Jonas had walked out on live television wearing a Chaos Walking hoodie a few weeks ago, and then this movie opened the way it did to $3 million, that hoodie image would have haunted him. So... Smart move. Yeah, so this, I think, failed just because people had the sense that this was a stinker. Mm-hmm. Anything that, I mean, but, you know, the thing is, there's movies that are on the shelf, like Look at War, War uh, with Grandpa. Mm-hmm. That was on the shelf for a way longer time and was not a stinker. So right. shelf doesn't really mean stinker. I mean, especially this year, because everything's on the shelf to some degree. Um, but then there there are just movies like War with Grandpa that are more eternal, you know, and Chaos Walking did have a shelf life. Um, and I guess it's it's just when these movies tank, these sci-fi, these attempts at sci-fi franchises, they tank really hard. You know, Chaos Walking is one of those movies where if people don't want it, then nobody wants it. Because if that sort of sci-fi comic book nerd gamer community isn't into it, then who's going to be into it? Yeah, it's true. Um, So this movie, Chaos Walking, stars Tom Holland, who's Spider-Man, and Daisy Ridley, who is The Last Jedi, does this movie mean anything for either of these actors? I mean, Tom Holland never seems to be in anything that's successful that's not a Spider-Man movie, which I guess doesn't matter because he could just keep doing Spider-Man movies. But it is telling he's becoming one of those Marvel actors who basically can only get a hit if if he's the character. Well... Voice acting wise, Spies of Disguise did not do that poorly a little bit ago. Remember the Will Smith, Tom Holland two hander where they, well, Will Smith that is, a penguin. Uh, not that's penguin, a, long, a pigeon. That's a long walk, though, to say the animated movie he was doing a voice in didn't do that badly. Like, if that is the best non Marvel, uh, uh, situation he's had at the box office he's in trouble and then he had cherry which came out in limited release and then is coming to apple plus this weekend i believe okay that was directed by the russo brothers okay in a 
bald attempt to get an Oscar. Okay. And it tanked critically. So that's bad for him. Right. I don't think this... The interesting thing is... How do I say this without sounding rude? The kid's only going to be Spider-Man. Right. So I think there's this thought that everybody who is a superhero in a film is going to go on to other successes. And we've seen that's just not the case. I mean, you Mm -hmm. look at the Superman, the Brandon Roth. He's back Mm -hmm. doing CW DC shows. Mm -hmm. This doesn't just because you do well in a Marvel movie or superhero movie doesn't mean that you're going to be. Uh, a, a star in other types of films. And I would say, I don't think we've seen anybody really succeed who, who didn't the, have some sort of work beforehand. Right, right, right. I mean, like Chris Evans, sort of. But he yeah, had a long least. career before that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the classic, of course, is Chris Hemsworth, who is only Thor. I mean, Tom Holland. He must do those Marvel team up movies and he looks at Chris Hemsworth and he sees him having to just be Thor the rest of his life. And it's sort of like the ghost of box office future. You know, that is your future, Tom Holland. You are going to be bombing in every single thing other than your Marvel character. You look at Chris Hemsworth and you see Black Hat and you see... God, what else has that guy even been in? You see the 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 uh, heart of the sea, and you see all those movies, and that might unfortunately be your box office future, Tom Holland. But it seems like he, uh, you know, like he seems one like of a my, great guy. Yeah, and one of my things was this was just more promotion for his Spider-Man movie. I I watched clips of interviews. Mm-hmm with him recently and all he's talking about and all he's being asked about is spider-man 3 that's all he's being asked about so this is good promotion for him just to say hey i'm here spider-man 3 is coming remember how good i was as spider-man i don't think this harms his career in any way it's probably pretty disappointing for him personally which sucks but i don't think i don't think anybody was expecting him to be any sort of star Maybe his management, but I don't I don't know if anybody else is expecting him to be a huge star, but they would have been pleasantly surprised if he broke out. But I just don't see that in his future. Now, uh, someone like him prove us wrong. Like, that's what creative people do. They prove you wrong. So I have no nothing against him. The numbers are saying what the numbers are saying and Mm -hmm. prove us wrong. Tom Holland, use use the B.O. boys calling you a future Chris Hemsworth. Use that as fuel. Well, Chrissy Hemi, remember, we still need to, because, I mean, the reason I am where I am right now is because we were talking about Chrissy Hemi and not using Chrissy Hemi. And yeah, always, sometimes bad things happen to us when we talk poorly about Chrissy Hemi. But Tom Holland, use this as motivation to... Find better scripts to, I mean, maybe act better. I don't know. To uh, uh, work with better directors and to do better at the box office. Use this as that motivation. We'd be happy if one day Tom Holland is on The Tonight Show or he's on some kind of BuzzFeed internet show or whatever, whatever, you know, people are being interviewed on in the future. And he's talking about his new movie that's a non-Spider-Man, non-Marvel movie that just made $100 million at the domestic box office. And they ask him, how did you get here? How did you make this non-Spider-Man, non-Marvel movie such a sensation at the box office? And he says, one day I was listening to the Real Boys or management put this clip of the Real Boys in front of me where they talked about how my future is probably going to be no better than that of Chrissy Hemi. And I heard that and it motivated me and it made me stronger and it made me 
into the box office force that I am. I would love to hear that. Yeah, I would he'd love say, to I wield that. my anger as a sword now. Yes, yes. We'd love for him to say that. Yes. Also, it would be great promotion for the, our podcast, Synergy. We, we, you know, we we fuel his fire and he, you know, throws us a little publicity. No, no publicity is bad publicity. And uh, that would be great. But this chaos walking number coupled with, you know, Cherry being basically a non-entity. It's not good signs for this guy. It's not good signs for Tom Holland. He's he's dangerously fallen into that area of. All he could do is play the superhero character. So the the thing, too, with this movie before we move on is that it seems like reading this deadline article that it was the victim of a regime change at Lionsgate as well. Okay. that this kind of we had the President Eric Feig leave. Okay, And then Joe Drake came over and. They saw Lyman, Doug Lyman's cut and were unhappy with it. And then they did some reshoots, but then there wasn't much motivation for them to really fine tune this and, and pump more money into it to make it into anything more than just a dump. So right. it, this is a, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater situation. So that didn't have uh, this movie was going to fail, not from the jump, but definitely uh, had the fingerprints of a failure all over it. Right. This is so a movie that get, 10 years ago started out having a, a a script by Charlie Kaufman. Or at least an attempt at a, a script by Charlie Kaufman. Right. Which didn't end up as this movie at all. No. Um, so it went through a lot of different iterations. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's not good for Tom Holland. He could definitely recover from it. But I think that window was starting to close for him where he could be a big movie star outside of Superman. I mean, as far as Daisy Ridley... Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And then Daisy Ridley is kind of in that same boat, I think even further off in the sense that at least Tom Holland could still play Spider-Man in the future. Daisy Ridley, her Star Wars movies are done. So she's going to have to figure out how to be some kind of box office presence in non-Star Wars movies. Yeah, I mean, it's so... There's just so many of those English actresses that just get these parts in these, like, period films or mm-hmm. small indies or, you know, those... Uh, something something like the the... Yesterday, something like that. She's the love interest in a movie like Yesterday. There's just not much space for these actresses or like actors like Tom Holland in in big movies anymore. Right, right. Unless they are genre. Right. I mean, I think the and this is the, this is the nightmare scenario. They end up on TV. You know, when you see Daisy Ridley on the next season of The Crown, that's when you know Chaos Walking did a lot of damage. And that's when yeah. you know. Um, so that is Chaos Walking. Anything else we want to go over in this? Well, we do have another. Uh, uh, the number four movie this weekend was also a brand new movie. Boogie, which... Came in at 1.2 in about 1,200 theaters. And this is a small, this was released by Focus Features. Mm -hmm. It's a small film that got not very great reviews, Mm -hmm. but it is, looking it up right now, it's it's, um, Eddie Hong. Yep. So he's the creator of uh, Fresh Off the Boat. And so he wrote and directed this movie about a basketball phenom who lives Mm. in Queens. Nice. And one day dreams of playing in the NBA. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of this 1.2 came from those boroughs and that outlying area because they love basketball. Yep. And uh, we all remember Lynn Sanity. Yep. Yeah. New York is a basketball town. Um. 
I would love to see that breakdown movie by movie of what New York did. I wish we got that every weekend. I would love to just look at the New York City rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, New York, I'm just looking at a deadline article about the New York box office opening. New York was indeed the top market for both Chaos Walking and Boogie. That makes sense. So Boogie opened on the right weekend. It might it might make some dollars now that New York is back in play and theoretically opening more uh, availability, you know, every weekend. So. Yeah, and it's it's a and it's a film that is targeting a specific demo, but it's also about a topic that will draw in people outside that demo as well, which is good. I mean, this movie may not have been critically acclaimed, but it definitely did well for the type of movie it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean one point two mil good. is nice for this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think of the release this movie would have gotten even in non-pandemic times you wouldn't think it would open much more than a million so this is a pretty i think this is a pretty good number but i tell you without those new york uh, areas this movie ain't making 1.2 this movie's making 700 maybe no yeah boogie is a love letter to new york i assume and i think new york wrote back and said thanks thanks for the love letter Mm mm-hmm yeah, so good good for Boogie. Let's see how it does in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Number five, still holding tight, Four Quadrant Warrior, The Crude's a New Age. Mm-hmm. It's only down 37%. As I said, made about 800000 It's It's losing some theaters, but it's made $53.6 million. So the magic number for this is we're looking to see if this is going to beat out Tenet. Okay. Which I believe is at 57. Yeah, I think it was 57, yeah. And here's a big story that we didn't mention, and we're going to probably brush past this pretty fast, is that remember when I texted you about the hullabaloo of Tenet opening in the New York markets and how that was going to be a big deal? Yes, yes. That New York I don't see it anywhere finally, on this chart. I do not. New York was finally going to be able to see Tenet in the in the movie theater. That's all New York supposedly was talking about. You know, Christopher Nolan, in his mind, at every you know bodega and and barber shop and and newsstand in in, in New York City, all anyone could talk about was finally we're going to get to see Tenet. That it would be. Uh, let me let me uh yes uh, i'd like one hot dog and also i'd like to see tenant i can't wait to see tenant that's what christopher nolan's his fantasy world of new york was just times square filled with people who were just banging down doors begging to see tenant it's so and it's so funny that warner brothers clammed up no they have given us no numbers on it Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. nobody went and saw that that movie in new york theaters no nobody 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 so So christopher nolan he thought you that that people were going to start pulling down the statue of liberty in in protest of not being able to see tenet in a new york movie theater Mm -hmm. and uh last i checked statue of liberty is still there it is it is still standing proud in the New York Harbor. So that's hilarious. We're looking mm-hmm. here. 57.9 million is what Tenet ended up making. So let's just say 58. Okay. If the crudes can make over 58, then that beat out Tenet, which I think is possible. It's possible. I mean, this movie has been out so long and it's so widely available at home, but it is so much more of a phenomenon than Tenant the Dead Horse was. Mm-hmm. So I think it has a chance. I think the Crudes could do it. The thing is, the Crudes is going to have to start making us money these next few weeks because we're going to start having some big releases at the end of March, April, and then May. The floodgates just open with huge movies again. 
Yeah. So do we want to segue into doing a little bit of looking ahead? Some of the there were some big moves in the movie schedule for the next few months. Well, yeah, let's talk about these moves, because one of the biggest moves. Mm hmm. F9. Yep. Moved again from May 28th to June 25th. Yeah. Which is smart. This is more of a foreign move. This is more of a move for foreign markets Mm -hmm. because, you know, the Fast and the Furious movies are foreign juggernauts. They do Mm -hmm. well in domestically. They do very well domestically. Big opening weekends. Every we all go. We all go opening weekend. If you if you don't go to F9 opening weekend or if you don't go to the new Fast and Furious movie in general on on the first weekend, you're not a fan. No. Like, sorry, you're just not because it's like you can't miss church and that's church. Right. right. And so it's, open chur- big. it's church on it's church on Easter Sunday. You know, mm-hmm. it's church for the days when you don't go to church all year. But of course, you go to church on Easter Sunday. Oh, yeah. Every other day you can miss church. Yeah, of course. It's the same thing every time. Right. So except for Easter when it's it's when it's bigger. It's and bigger. that's F9 opening weekend. People got to go. So so F9 is now moved to June 25th. Yes, which was and still is at the moment Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage's yeah. weekend. There's thoughts that that might move. God, it's got to. I mean, when we had our special episode uh, maybe a month or two back with... Jeff from Exhibitor Relations Co. We talked about our predictions for what would be the biggest domestic earner of the year. My prediction was Venom Let There Be Carnage because I looked at the schedule. I saw its release date, June 25th. And I said, that's the best release date based on all the vaccine projections I was getting from my sources a few months ago. I figured by June and especially the end of June, the box office would be in good shape. There'd be enough people that could go that then you'd really have some giant numbers by then. And F9, I think, is thinking the same thing where they're like, we could open the end of May or we could just push it a few more weeks and then it'd be a lot more people who could go to the movie. So all that said, I can't imagine those two movies opening the same weekend because those are probably the two biggest movies of the year. Well, Hotel Transylvania 4, we are saying, is also going to be huge. That will be huge. I mean, my thought, I'm looking at the release date schedule for June 2021. You know, there, I would think Venom is going to move. And I think it moves up a few weeks is my guess because I'm looking at June June 4th the big movie coming out is is Conjuring The Devil Made Me Do It which is a new Conjuring movie that's a franchise that's kind of on the way petering out yeah then June 11th there's really nothing it looks like there is an IFC film coming out June 11th June 18th is uh in the heights and something called Luca which I'm going to guess is a, a animated film from Disney. So my guess is Venom moves a couple of weeks earlier to either June 11th or June 18th, or just goes straight up against the conjuring on June 4th, because it should be able to cream that. Mm -hmm. I would be shocked if you get those three weeks in June where there's kind of small movies opening and then F nine and Venom both open on the 25th. They can't, they'll cannibalize each other. Yeah. That's across. I mean, if you look at those circles, those are crossing over. Those are almost full overlapping circles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, almost an eclipse. Yes. So my, I'm gonna bet Venom. Let there be carnage. Moves to June 11th. That's my guess. That's a good. That's a that's a good guess. Now. With the F9 move, it mm-hmm. created a domino effect a little bit, not a, as a huge domino effect as we've seen previously. And it's not negative a lot of ways because a lot of things are moving up. So mm-hmm. Quiet Place Part 2 is now moving into that F9 slot. Mm-hmm. So it's opening May 28th, which I think is a good time for it because 
again, it will do well foreign, but it's not going to do as well foreign as F9. Quiet uh, Quiet Place was a huge domestic earner. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a good move for it. And then Munions 2, which has been delayed because of COVID, but also because they didn't finish drawing it yet. Okay. They keep just, I don't know what they're doing. They're procrastinating, but they're just, a lot of the reason why this is getting moved is is because they needed more time. And I think they still need more time. Right. Because like the deadline keeps coming up and they're like, oh, that's right, Munions. Okay, that's right. Okay, we got to finish it. So this is moving all the way to July 1st, 2022. It's so interesting to think that they don't have enough drawing of Munions because the internet is mostly Munions drawings at this point. So just use some of these Munions drawings that I'm constantly seeing on social media and just get the movie out in time. Yeah. The world is not lacking uh, uh, visual representations of the Munions. Not at all. So we've got that. And then our last big one is Peter Rabbit, which is moving up. And it's moving to May 14th. Wow, that's great. I mean, I'm looking at May. May, as it stands now, is a full-on huge summer month of releases. I mean, right now you've got Black Widow on May 7th, Peter Rabbit 2 on May 14th. May 21st, you have Free Guy, which is the long-delayed Ryan Reynolds video game action movie, and Spiral from the Book of Saw with Chris mm. Rock, a, a Saw continuation. Yes. And then we mentioned on Memorial Day weekend, May 28th, you've got A Quiet Place 2 and Cruella, which is Emma Stone's Joker version of Cruella DeVille. PG Joker. Yeah. I mean, that is that is a huge, huge summer month. So right now, it is clear Hollywood is looking at May and saying the pandemic is over. We're back. That is whether they're right or not. That is clearly the way they're looking at the, the schedule. Yeah. I mean, just looking at from May on mm-hmm. is exciting. I mean, that that's that's going to be if everything goes to plan, mm-hmm. we will have Baffa Bobo. We're, we're, I mean, this show is we're always on uh, going on all cylinders, but we're right. going to need more cylinders. Right. Right. In order to handle the amount of Bobo that we're going to get from these mm-hmm. films. I just think it's I'm so excited about it. It's motivating me to to just go on. Right. Yeah, it is. It's it's finally looks like the box office is going to catch up to us. You know, it'll catch up to the uh, energy that this show has had for the last year, even with a lack of box office. And it looks like the box office is box office is finally working its way back up to our level. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I mean, we're going to have a lot more to talk about in terms of predictions and news about the summer release. But it's, yes, summer basically starts May 7th with Black Widow, and then it is back to business from then on. But I mean, April does have some big movies, too. There's a Mortal Kombat movie. There's... um, That's not going to be big. eh, It's not going to be. And looking at April, I guess not. There's Shiva Baby... Um, yeah. So as far as new releases this weekend, there, so the Friday, March 12th, there does not look like there are any big releases this kind of week, this weekend and the next few weeks kind of feel like what summer 2020 felt like, where it's a lot of IFC films, horror movies, stuff that is a little bit questionable as to whether, you know, it's not just something that someone made in their backyard and created a, a, a shell corporation production company. 
nothing really big these next two weekends. No. Nothing even opening wide, according to yeah. the numbers. There's yeah. Everything is limited release. Yeah. So these next two weekends, it's going to be the chance for the movies that are ready in the top five to really, you know, pad the stats. And maybe Jerry, this is, Tom yeah. and Jerry's going to do really well here. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get to because time is time is, a, you know, a limited uh, resource. Let's get to our predictions for this coming weekend, you know, which is basically going to be the holdovers. But do you think there will be any shifting in the top five? You oh, know, that's does, a great question. Does Tom and Jerry hop over Ryan the Last Dragon? You know, they were about two million apart this past weekend. Is Raya really going to plummet and Tom and Jerry take the top spot? The thing with Tom and Jerry is it has more theaters. It has way. I mean, it has 500 plus more theaters. Right. Than Raya. Raya. So uh, there's a possibility there. Yeah. And and in in Tom and Jerry beloved IP I I could see it jumping back to number 1. Absolutely. I could see it number 1, Last Dragon number 2. Mhm. I think Chaos Walking stays where it is at number 3 just because the next movie that would overtake it is Boogie and I think Boogie is more of a uh, you know Burroughs play. Okay. It's, and yeah, the cruise isn't going to jump up too much. So, I, I mean, I think that's the the way it's going to go. But I do think Tom and Jerry overtake Raya. Raya. Yeah. I, I'm, i you know, I, I know we like to have different predictions so that we could have that, you know, sort of uh, uh, competitive battle that people like out of their radio shows. But I'm going to go with you. I think Tom and Jerry gets to number one next week. Because I think what could also happen, and, and this seems to be what is happening with the Warner Brothers movies in general, is that looking down at the bottom here, number six, Little Things, dropped 405 theaters. Number seven, Wonder Woman 1984, dropped 317 theaters. Judas, at number nine, dropped 366 theaters. Some of those theaters are going to... The Last Dragon, but some of those are going to Tom and Jerry. Yeah, because they're yep. seeing where the business is, and mm-hmm. these theaters are understanding. Oh, okay. Well, you know, we're going to get rid of the all these theaters that are playing Wonder Woman 1984, and we're going to give not all of them, but some of them to Tom and Jerry because that's our top earner. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah. I think it's I think that's we're we're gonna see that being possible because we're gonna see a bump in its theater count again, especially when there's nothing until the end of March. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They gotta just pack people into these theaters and they gotta give them what they want, which is Tom and Jerry. Yeah. And then as more New York capacity opens and more theaters open, you know, it's just more it's mice people. You know, it's it's just New Yorkers who who maybe they don't love mice, but they they understand mice and they are comfortable with mice. And we are going to pick Tom and Jerry. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think we're also going to see since, again, the HBO Max release schedule is it's only on that service for a month. Right. So, so it's if, been there for two weeks. No, I guess it's only been there at this point, like 10 days. Yeah. But so it could bounce back again after that window closes. Yeah. Yeah, it could. But I, I think, yeah, I think these holdover movies, they've basically got the next couple of weeks to really clean up before then. You got a couple of new releases coming at the end of March, which... We won't talk about now, but maybe we'll talk about next week. Yeah. And this bodes well for the Croods, though, too, because the Croods can just continue to be in theaters because nothing's going to push it out. Yep. 
Yep. All right. Well, we did it, Pat. We did Like it. we always do. We did it. And where can they find us? Email us at the boboyspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Is it Raya? Is it Raya? Would you have been more likely to see that movie if the dragon's name had been in the title? If it had been the name of the last dragon, would that have influenced you in any way? Let us know at the boboyspodcast at gmail.com. And I don't think there's anything left to say. Before we go, I just have to make one apology for last week's episode. Last week was a wild week. We had the Tom and Jerry opening weekend numbers were huge. And it had been a while since we had had such a, uh, a big number like that. And because of that, I failed to mention that everyone should meet me in the Jake Fogelnest Patreon. That is the place to be. That is the place to feel safe. It is the place to find cool, interesting content such as Full episodes of Squirt TV, Squirt TV clips, and anecdotes from Squirt TV. Listen, I last week I I was I was uh, with family all week, and um, I neglected my duties. I'll be honest; I had a few hours where I was not in the Jake Fogelness Patreon. A few hours where I left. And as great as it is to finally see family, it was a mistake. It was a mistake to leave that warm embrace for those couple of hours of the Jake Fogelness Patreon and all of the Jake Fogelness Patreon members creating that warm, safe, interesting community based around Squirt TV, of course, and based around Jake Fogelness' opinions of recent pop culture, old pop culture, 90s pop culture especially, what he's listening to, what he's re-listening to. And I stepped away from that community for, for a few minutes. It wasn't long, but it was long enough. And I failed to mention it on last week's episode. And so for that, I apologize. And as big as the box office may get in these next few months, I cannot forget my duties. And that duty is letting everyone know to join me in the Jake Fogelness Patreon. All right, well, there's nothing left to say, but until next time. Until next time. We'll smell you at the box office. Nail.